Okay, good morning, everyone. Today's share should be for Fu Shlima, for Avram Dovi Ben Ruchama, and for Rivka Basfredo, for all Holy Soil, and Mitzchem Kodesh should continue to watch over our brothers and sisters in Israel and return all the Chatufim speedily and uh, healthily. Okay, so today we are going to do much more Lachal Maisa. Tomorrow will be a little more Lamdus. Uh, today will be more Lachal Maisa. We are on Chaf Gimel Amud Bet. Oh. Seven lines from the bottom. <clears throat> Seven lines from the bottom. Boy, my of Yosef. Okay, so we're going to discuss right now how one is su- uh, supposed to take care of the tefillin overnight. How should one go ahead and watch the tefillin overnight if he's not able to keep, safeguard them, uh, put them in a, separ- a different place? Whether What is he supposed to do if uh, he's in a hotel room, let's say, and... Uh, there's no place to keep them. Uh, it has to be uh, in his room, un- uh, presumably uh, under his bed or under his pillow. So let's see what the uh, what the Gemara suggests. So the Gemara says as follows: Yosef, Is one allowed to go and put the tefillin under his head at night? Chaf Gimel, seven lines from the bottom. I'm in bed. Chaf Gimel, I'm in bed. We're just going back. Seven lines from the bottom. Chav Gimel, yes. Chav Gimel, seven lines from the bottom. Boy, my of Yosef. Okay, we started this. We just started the topic last week. We didn't get into it, so we're just going to review. So, boy, my of Yosef. When a person goes to sleep at night, is he allowed to go ahead and put his tefillin underneath his head so that he rests on it? Obviously, if someone was to come and take it, they would arouse him and wake him. So that is the best place that he can come up with to protect the tefillin. And so he says, a person is allowed to tachas uh, The question does not even come up if it's talking about putting it under your feet. Of course, that's derech bizayon. Putting the tefillin under your feet, we're not even talking about that. We're talking about <coughs> putting it under your head. Because if you put it under your feet, you're But the question that Rav Yosef, asked of Rav if he puts it under his head, which is obviously more... Uh, showing more respect to, to the tefillin than putting under your feet. My, so he says, Amar So he responded to him, Hachi Amar Shmuel. Shmuel said as follows: Mutter, you're allowed to put the tefillin underneath your head. Vaafilo ishto imo, even if your wife is with you. Now, when it says your wife is with you, it means with the intent to have mishamish mitasam, to have intimacy. The halacha is that if your wife, let's say, is not that she's at a different time of the month and she's not able, she's a nida, you're not able to have. Relations, whether whether she's there or not, it does it counts as if she's not there halachically for this purpose. Obviously, she's there, but I'm talking about if there's no possibility of having mm-hmm. tashmish with her, then for all halachic purposes, obviously, it's as if she's not there. Obviously, if you can have intimacy, it raises question whether you should be doing that in front of tefillin. So that's where the question comes up. But Shmuel says, "Afilo ishto imo." Even if you plan on having uh, intimacy with your with your spouse that night, you're allowed to put the tefillin underneath your head. The Gemara asked the following from Bryson that seems to be so, sir, <clears throat> that appears to contradict this. Meisve, we ask on the following from the following Bryson on Shmuel. Lo adam tachas We understand that a person is not allowed to go ahead and put the tefillin underneath his feet when he goes to sleep at night, because obviously that's very uh, <laughs> disrespectful. Uh, and, and a disgrace to the tefillin. But one can put them underneath his head. And if your wife is with you <coughs> with the intent to have intimacy, 
Usr. You're not allowed to. So obviously we see what the contradiction is for, for Shmuel. Shmuel said, Afilo ishto imo, even if your wife is with you. And here we have a, 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 a brace as clear as day that says, if your wife is with you, you cannot put it under your head. The brace continues, If there was a shelf extending from the bed, that's either, either the bed is here, either there's a shelf extending here, going up three tefachim, or going down three tefachim, so it's clearly not on the same level, then it's mutter. Then you can put the tefillin on that. So to Yufta, we see from the first part of the b'risa, that that's a question of Shmuel. Shmuel again said that you're allowed to put the tefillin underneath your, your head, even if you're with your wife. And then we said that you're not allowed to go ahead and um, put the tefillin underneath uh, your head uh, when you go to sleep at night if your wife is next to you. Can you deduce from this that the tefillin are not in a bag? Because if they were in a bag, oh. they wouldn't have this discussion. Oh, so, uh, so we're going to get to tefillin on daf chof hey, and two more dafim, we're going to discuss what one should do if they're, let's say they're in a hotel room, and let's say there's nowhere else to, not just tefillin, but if you have a chumash, if you have a sitter, if you have other uh, tashmish kedusha, and you're, you plan on being intimate with, with your spouse, what's the what, breast protection? So the, the Gemara is going to say later on, you need a kiss betoch kiss, you need a double bag. We'll get to that sugya on daf chafei. The implication here with the tefillin is that even if it forget under your head, anywhere in the bed is no good. We're going to get to that in a second, if you put it on the side. So uh, if you put it, Right. Uh, in other words, they're saying here, uh, uh, unless the shelf is three five, Correct, five, correct. Five, but what if it's on the same level, it's not good? It's not good, correct, because we know... Nowhere, nowhere on the bed is good. Well, well, here's the thing. If it's by your feet, we know it's definitely not good. It's disgraceful. If it's by your head, it's not allowed. So you're asking, what about on the side? So are you jumping the gun a little bit, but very good. So the Gemara, no, no, that's good. That's good, that's good. So the, actually the Mishnah Brewer, I'll get to in a second, but the Mishnah Brewer actually says, the Mishnah Brewer actually says, that if a person puts this is in Orachaim Simon Simon Mem Tefillin Siv the the Mechaber says what about Dr. Bruxton's question what about if I'm putting it on the side I'm putting it by my waist or by my chest am I allowed to put the Tefillin it's not by my feet it's not by my head so he says Sido. The Shochanach says, as far as putting the tefillin on the side next to my the, the torso, dino kitachas raglov. It's ushered like by your feet, and he says why. Mishnah Brura says now, pamita Middle of the night, you may you may roll over onto them, and then certainly if it's by your your groin area, it's certainly not uh, any any time you're sleeping on it, but certainly in certain areas. But even when you're on top of it, um, it's certainly also. So since you may roll over unknowingly in the middle of the night. And cover your tefillin, it's usr. We're going to come to the point now where even if one says that you're allowed to put it under your head, it doesn't mean you're actually putting your head on top of the tefillin. If, if you have a big bag and the bulge where the tefillin is is out from under your head, but you're resting on the corner of the bag, that's what the Gemara is talking about. Even if it's kiss kiss, you can never put your head directly, in, that's a derech bizayon. But if you have part of the bag, the whole purpose is to watch it, is to guard it. So if someone snags the bag out of your head, you're going to wake up. Even if it's the corner of the bag, you're going to be, 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 be jolted and, and wake up. So we're never talking about actually sleeping on it, which makes sense now that once you understand if you're going to roll on it, it's awesome. But we're going to get to that. It's an excellent question. Okay. Yeah. So a tefach is about a fist. We assume it's close enough that even someone coming close to you is going to wake you, awaken you. You're a light sleeper. 
Now, is sometimes the, if you have a strap, you could have a strap theoretically, and the strap is underneath you. It's obviously not the only we're going to get to this. We're going to get to in a second what what the reason. The Gemara is going to tell us in a second what the reason is. <coughs> so now, so clearly the, it's a question on Shmuel because again, Shmuel said that um, that you're not you can have the pil- the tefillin underneath your head even when your wife is with you, and clearly this goes against that. So Tiyufta, the Shmuel Tiyufta. So this is an irrefutable refutation uh, upon Shmuel Shita. But says Rava, listen to what Rava says. Amar Rava, and this you don't see that often. Afagav designed to Shmuel, even though we have a brisa that absolutely contradicts Shmuel, still Hilchas Kavase. That Lach is still like him. Says Rava, my timer. What is the reason? Why does Rava say Halachas like Shmuel? Even though you're right, we have a brisa that goes against Shmuel, but yet we still paskin like him. Why, Ron? Here's your here's your answer. Because says Rava, watching the tefillin and guarding it against either people taking it or. Uh, rodents eating, as we saw the case by the by the bathroom, trumps trumps um, um, being respectful to the felon, and since that's the case, um, that's the case. That's why Rava says it's better to put it under your your head, even when you're mishamish mitaso, even when you are having intimacy with your wife, than risking it being taken. Right, so the Brisa disagrees. So Rava sides with Shmuel. So he says, the Gemara says, it's a disproof to Shmuel. Nonetheless, we still pass like Shmuel, says Rava. That's what I'm saying. It's very unique. Usually we say, we have a double Lashon Tiyufta. When you say usually one Lashon Tiyufta, when it just says it's, it's a question, usually means it's a question. When you say Tiyufta, the Shmuel Tiyufta, when you say it twice, it's usually pretty emphatic. The Allah is not like him, but uh, it's, you know, it's an irrefutable uh, proof against him. But here, Rav, nonetheless, why? Because the most important thing, he says, is to watch the tefillin. The Gemara continues, it says, so when you say you put it under your head, what does it actually mean? Allah Khlamaisa. What does it actually mean? You put it, where are you actually putting it? So Amrabi Yirmiya Bain Karli Kesesh Lokanegrosho. You put it between the pillow and the mattress, meaning you're putting it under your pillow, but but Shalokanegrosho. So if you have a let's say a rectangular pillow, you put it on the corner of the pillow. So you're not head is not directly on top of the tefillin. Again, with the assumption that if someone wants to go ahead and take it in the middle of the night that it will jostle you, it will wake you up, and you would obviously stop the, 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 the theft from occurring. But the bottom line is, you're not allowed to put your head directly on top of the tefillin. Gemara says, well, I have a question. So, they used to have like a little uh, bag, and uh, we see from Rechia that he actually put it in the bag, it's shaped like a hat, that's why it's called a kova, um, but he put it under his head. So Gemara says, yeah, the mapic lay le de kova, le bar. What he did is, again, every tefillin bag has a, the bag, and then it has the actual tefillin with the bulges. So again, he didn't put the bulge of the bag underneath the, his head. It was underneath his pillow, but where, he had, where his head laid to rest was not actually right on top of the tefillin. It was on top of the bag that was, not, that was flat, that the knot of the tefillin, again, with the purpose being so not to show disrespect that you're actually lying on top of the tefillin, but enough that if someone was to come and take it, you would wake up. Okay, the Gemara says another example. Bar Kapara at Bar Kapara used to go ahead and tie the tefillin to the curtain surrounding his bed. In the old times, they had these canopies, you know, that would uh, that would uh, surround the bed. So you would take it and tie the curtain so that if someone would come in, he would wake up also. Umapik the bar, but he too, even when he tied it and it was next to his bed, the bulge of the bag, meaning where the tefillin were, were not under, were away from him, pointing outwards. Rav Shishad Braidurav, Shashifa, he would put it on a stool, on a, on a little uh, bench, and a little stool next to his bed, and he would cover it, 
with, with, a, with a sheet or with a, with a cloth. Here's what we're going to get to eventually in a couple of the concept of a double kiss, of covering over to, uh, to give it not protection from thievery, but to give it protection from, uh, from Derech Bizayon. And now the Gemara ends with an interesting story. Omar of Amnuna, Bereder of Yosef, Zimnachata, Avina Kamei Rava. I was once uh, in front of uh, in front of Rava, and Rava said to me, "Va'amarli," says Rava Nuna, "Zil aisilit tefillin, go to my house and bring me my tefillin bag." Vashkachinu, and I found it bein karlakeses. I went to Rava's house, and I found it <coughs> in between the pillow and the mattress. Shalokineged rosha, but it wasn't directly under the middle, the crux of the pillow. So obviously it was off to the side a little bit, but it was still under his pillow. So he wasn't lying directly on top of it, but it was still under his pillow. And I was able to tell that his wife came back from mikvah the night before, meaning that they had shimush the night before, that, um, that uh, Rava had tashmish the night before. And why did he send me there? And he sent me there for a purpose. It's not like he couldn't go home and get it. He sent me there to show that the halacha is like Shmuel. This is Rava. Rava is the same person who said that even though Shmuel has a question, we pass him like him. And to show his students that we pass him like Shmuel, he dafka sent the students home to see that he put his tefillin underneath his bed, granted, underneath his pillow, excuse me. Granted, it wasn't directly under where the, where the head would, would be lying, but nonetheless was under the pillow. And he sent me there for a purpose. And the Gemara Barbasra Daf, Daf Kuflam, teaches us that even when you're told that halacha is like someone, until you see it actually in practice, you shouldn't necessarily be knowing like that. And then we see this as a classic example. It wasn't enough that Rava just said that Allah is like Shmuel. He showed his Talmidim that I paskin like him and you can rely on it. I sent him home on a day where clearly his, he was Mishamish the Mita with his wife the night before and still the tefillin were under his head. So, you know, actions speak louder. There was a very, very famous uh, story, urban legend or not, but uh, how much we, uh, we put emphasis on seeing the Maisa, uh, the, the Maisim of, uh, of Tzadikim, I, I'm not sure which is Rav Chaim or the, the Briskarov, once was on his way to light a menorah and there was a broom on the floor. Probably people, some, some people must have heard the story. So he stepped over the broom to go light the menorah. So the next year, Olas Tamidim put a broom <laughs> on the floor and they would walk over the broom to go light you know, not realizing that, uh, you know. So everything that we see a, a, a tzaddik or a tamachachim or a posik do, we tend, to, uh, we tend to put that into practice. Okay, now, next Gemara. Like like yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I think after 45, 50 years, Jeff, you're good, you're good. If, if, no, if it hasn't picked up yet in Captiva, it's not going to pick up yet. Yeah, what? Brooks, told me a story about Alain, who was like that. Like a ballast tuba who needs to borrow a ring to wash her hands. All right, to take it off. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, good. So, Barmin Erev Yosef, Bered Rav Nechunim, Rav Yehuda. Shnaim she'ishenim b'mitachas. We'll discuss this halacha l'maysa a little bit. So, what happens now if you have two people who are sleeping unclothed in a bed together? A, a man and a man, presumably. They're in a... They're, no, no, no. Not, not, not doing anything wrong. They're just... Uh, they're in a hotel room together. They're, they're sharing a room. They're hiking. They're going on a trip. And they're sleeping together. Not sleeping in the bi- biblical sense, but they're lying in the same bed together. And they're unclothed. Vino, so, Mahu, are they allowed to go ahead and say Kriyashma when they're both under the same blanket? So, the Gemara says, Shezeh Yachzer Panov. So obviously, if they're facing each other and there's a chance that the erva is touching the other person, that they're not allowed to say kriyashma. We're afraid you're going to have improper thoughts and you can't say kriyashma, you're not going to have kavana. So what they do is instead of facing each other, they both face opposite ways, which their backsides are touching. But the question is, is the backside, the Muslim discuss here, is that considered 
a erva or not. It's not considered a, uh, a, an, an erva as far as halacha is concerned. So Gemara says that each one should turn away from the other person, and then they can say Kriya Shema. So, and here we also have another case where Shmuel said, even if the other, not just two men, but even if the other person is your wife, which presumably you're not going to have that urge for another man, but you will have that urge for your wife to have relations, even if the other person is your wife and now you're facing back to each other and your backside is touching your spouses, you can still say Kriya Shema. That's the cool of Shmuel. So Gemara says, Maskif Rav Yosef. Okay, so he says now, Maskif Rav Yosef, um, as follows. He says, um, So you're telling me, you're saying, Shmuel says, even your wife, which means not only can you say Kriya Shema if your backside is touching with another, with another man, but even your wife. So Rav, Rav Yosef says, no, no, it should say, It should say specifically with your, with your wife and not another person. Why? Because because your wife, you're, you're, you're presumably with her many times. It's not just, this is not the first time your backside is touching. You've had Tashmish with her many times. So that's not as strong as a Taiva. You may not necessarily have such strong thoughts. But another, okay, whatever. But another man who... You, exactly. Meaning definitely somebody else you should not. You should not be able to say Kriyashma. Because by Ishto, it's not as strong as a, uh, as a, um, as a taiva. But with, but with someone else um, that, that you're, not, you're not so acquainted with, you may have, uh, you may have improper thoughts. About a man. I mean, We're talking, correct, we're talking about a man. Not there's anything wrong with it. I, mean, I'm just, I, I hear you, I hear you. Oh. Spoken like you're in 2024. So now, Meisvei, <laughs> so the Gemara asked the following question. So you have two people sleeping in a bed. Yeah. Presumably they are unclothed. So the Brisa says, <clears throat> you each turn away from each other again. You can never say Kriyashma if your Makam Erva and your, your unclothed is touching someone else. But turn away from each other so the backsides are touching. So that's one Brisa. That's the Brisa we saw that everyone turns away from each other and say Kriyashma. And a separate Brisa says, So someone is lying in bed. So you have members of your household. We're going to see, it's not so clear what Banov we know as children. But B'nai Beso, you have other members of your household also in bed with you. You should not read Kriyashma. You should not recite Kriyashma. Unless you had some kind of cloth, an extra, extra blanket, a pillow, something separating you and the other people next to you, as a sort of a mechitza between you. So therefore, your, your makom erva is not, again, we're talking about where you're, you're unclothed. So where your makom erva is not touching anyone else. V'im hayu banov b'nei beso says the b'risa, but if your children are underage tomorrow or, the, or, or next week, we'll see what it exactly means to be underage. But if they're underage, either it means three and nine, or some people say 11 and 12, a girl 11, a boy 12. Some shitas are as young as three. So Rivka was already married at three years old. So for some people say that when a girl becomes regular B, it's three and a boy nine. Some say 11 and 12, a girl 11, a boy 12. We'll see. Mutter. But if the children are underage, whatever underage means, we'll get to that, whatever underage means, but then it's mutter, meaning you don't need to have a blanket or a, a separate thing separating you and the B'nai Beso. So Gemara says, now, keep in mind, Rav Yosef was the one that says, by your wife, you can turn, you can touch, your backsides can touch, and you can say Kriyashma, but not by someone else. So he said there's a difference between your wife 
and, and, and a stranger, let's say. But Shmuel said, even your wife, not only can you say Kriya Shema if your backsides are touching with another person, a stranger, but even your wife. So according to Shmuel, there should never be a reason not to say Kriya Shema if your backs are, even your wife, but certainly a, a man. Rabbi Yosef said, no, only your wife you're allowed to, but a stranger, we're afraid you're going to have thoughts. So this Brisa that distinguishes now and says you have to have a blanket between these other household members, presumably who's a household member that's not your child? Wife. Wife, presumably, your wife. So, Tosu, so that's what Rashi says. Tosu says, we never call your wife member of your household. It's a weird lashon. But anyway, so Gemara says, so Bishlam of Yosef Lokasha. So according to Yosef, this is not a question because you can say that the B'nai Basil is referring to the wife. And so the wife, you go ahead and you, you, you can be mechalik between, sorry, you can be mechalik, you can separate because Rav Yosef said you can't always turn, a stranger, no, a wife, you can't say, Krishma. So at least according to Rav Yosef, we can understand why there's a distinction between some people. Ha'ishtov ha'badamacha, we could differentiate. Elod Shmuel, Kasha. But Shmuel says you could always say, even your wife. So according to Shmuel, this price is problematic, once again, because Shmuel says there are certain people you have to put a blanket in front of them. Shmuel said before, if you have a man and a man, you turn them apart, even your wife. Which means as long as your backsides are touching and your makam ever, your front is not touching, it doesn't matter who it is. You could always say Krishma. And yet this price says you have to put a a blanket in front of them. So that's the question. So Shmuel says it's not really such a, just a question on me, it's a question even on him. Because Amr Shmuel's Rav Yosef also, me nicha, is it really okay for, for Rav Yosef also? He says that, it, it, what does it say there? It says that if your children or B'nai Besa, your household members are with you, you can't say Kriyashma until there's a blanket. Shmuel says, Who, who's this talking about? It must be talking about a wife. And yet it says you have to put a blanket. So even according to Rav Yosef, who said you can, you can do it with your wife, you can, you can you know, say Kriya Shema when your backside is touching with your wife, but not with a stranger. According to him, this is problematic also. Because it says the household members, you still have to put a blanket. So Bonav is children. Household member must be your wife. And still says you have to put a blanket. So you're asking a question on me. It's a question even according to Rav Yosef. So... So it must be either of Yosef tonight. Some machlok is going to Rav Yosef whether a wife uh, or, or can or cannot be. So nami So for me, it's also machlokas. It's also not so clear. So it's not really a question. Rav Yosef Elamai is So what are you going to say? Sorry, Ishtar Rav Yosef tonight. It must be the country of Yosef. It's a machlokas whether the wife can, can you say you can say Kriyashma if your backsides are touching. So for me, it's a question for other people. tonight. So for me, it's also machlokas with, with, with other people, meaning not everyone's going to agree. So it, it, this brisa is not a bigger question to me than it is on Rav Yosef. Okay, the Gemara says now. The bottom line is, though, what's taken for assumption here? That the backside is not considered a Malcolm Erva. The Gemara just glossed over that. You can't face them because your Malcolm Erva might be touching. But all of a sudden, if you turn outside, that's okay. If your backsides are touching, it's okay. So the Gemara is going to say as follows. Omar Mar, Zemach Kriyashma. So this, Gemara says, each person turns back, so their backsides are touching. Faika agavos, agavos means buttocks, so there's still a case, they're still touching, the, the backsides are still touching. Why is that okay? So Messiah, this seems to be a proof that the Gemara says that you have two people in a bed, they could turn away from each other, even though their backs are touching, 
and they can still recite Kriyashma, this is a proof, that Agavos buttocks, uh, the backside, is not considered an erva, and therefore this is a proof. Otherwise, how could the Gemara say, you turn your side, they should have said, get dressed, get out of bed, and say Kriyashma. But they didn't offer that suggestion. They said, all you have to do is turn, uh, turn your back, switch on and say Kriyashma. This is a proof to Rav Huna that uh, one's back is not a erva. Gemara says, let me bring a proof. We'll bring the following proof. So, the Rav Huna, we're going to bring a proof from the following Mishnah in Chala. Ha'isha Yeshevis Vikotza. A woman can be sitting unclothed. Vikotza la Chalasa Aruma. She can be sitting unclothed on the ground and set bimafish Chala. She could separate Chala. We'll get to that in a second. She could separate Chala. Okay? Even though normally we say that a that a um, that a, a naked person cannot make a bracha to Jack's point. Here she's allowed to make a bracha. You're allowed to make a bracha. You're saying Shem Hashem. Why? Because her uh, panel means her makom erva. If she's sitting flush against the ground, her makom erva, her front is completely blocked by the by the ground, and therefore she's able to make a bracha, even though presumably her backside is exposed. So it shows that you can go ahead. Gemara says of a lower ish when a man is sitting naked, even if his if his um, meaning that his makam erva is never going to be flush with the ground. So we see that even though a woman's backside is exposed, not her front, but her backside is exposed, she's able to make a bracha. So we see from here clearly that backside is not considered an erva, and you're allowed to make a bracha. Lamar says, no, no. This is a very simple answer. This is not a proof. Why? Let's say you're sitting in sand, or you, your, your, your backside is completely submerged, or in soft dirt where you're, you, you, you sink in two, three inches. So not only is her front covered, her back is covered. So that case is not necessarily a proof to, to Rav Yosef that Agavos, that, that the backside is not an erva. So we tried to, we tried to say the first case is, is a proof, meaning when you're in bed and your backsides are touching, you can say it. We tried to bring another proof from Chala, that a woman can go and be mafresh Chala, mafresh uh, Chala, and make a bracha even when she's, when she's unclothed. The Gemara says that's not necessarily proof because if she's in the sand, let's say, where she sinks in, so her front is certainly covered and her back is also covered, so it's not necessarily a proof. So being that my, you would think with this Gemara talking about the backside with my, with my past, I would have gone and used that uh, to discuss this as a gastroenterologist. But we're going to... Sounds like a nudist Yeah. We're going to discuss Chala instead. I, it's a tough decision, but we're going to discuss Hafrashas Chala instead. Okay, otherwise, uh, it'd be more than 10 minutes. So, anyway, so, hafrashas chala. So, oh, first of all, I just want to discuss uh, one or two things. Just halacha l'maysa about the tefillin before we go on. So, the halacha is that we're going to get to, um, we're going to get to about the, what one should do when they're intimate if they're in a hotel room or their own bedroom, whatever, and they have a chumish lying on the bed or they have tefillin or uh, any sifrei kodesh, any tashmisha kedusha, how one is supposed to be knowing, how should one act respectively towards the tashmisha kedusha if they're going to be misham, mishmitasim, if they're going to be intimate with their spouse, we'll get to that in the Here, what do you do with the tefillin at night? Does it have to be on the bed or can it be just in the room? Even in the room, it's, it's still probably still have to cover it. That, that, so that's a clear, so that's something else. If it's, let's say, exposed on, let's say you have a, you have a couch in your room and you have a chumish and you have a mishnais in there, so what do you do? We'll get to that in a couple of So in Hilchos Tfilin, Simon Mem, the Shulchanach says as follows So we're going to talk about putting it in a double kiss, in a double kli. But even if you put it in a double kli, putting it under your feet at night, you can never do. In other words, that will separate. 
it will um, it will prevent it from being derech bizayo in a disgraceful manner if you're having tashmish. But a kli betok kli you never put under your feet. That's just disgraceful. So that you can never do. It's also also to put it directly under your head when you go to sleep. Meaning, if here's your pillow and you smack, you sleep smack in the middle of the pillow and the tefillin are right underneath it, that you can't do. That's that's also disgraceful. You could put it under the corner of your pillow, or that the you could be sleeping on the on the back, but the tefillin themselves, the bulge of the back, as we saw, is towards the outside that you're not sleeping on it. And then even if your wife is not with you, you never put your head directly on the tefillin. And again, as far as halach is concerned, whether your wife, if your wife is with you, but she's not able to have tashmish, it's as if she's not there for halachic purposes. When we say your wife is with you, it's with the intent that you plan on having intimacy with her. Now, it says, but if you, but not exactly underneath your head, but to the side of the pillow, if your wife is not with you, it's mutter. Vim ishto imo, and if your wife is with you, and we see this in Daf Chafei, sarech kli betokli. Then you need a kli betokli. So he says here, um, what does it mean? It says betokli. You can put it on your bed next to your head. As long as you come to the point where you're never going to actually, ro- they're far enough away that it's not going to roll, you're not going to roll onto them as we saw. You put it under a pillow, you're not going to actually turn on to the end of the pillow. So typically when you fall off the pillow, you'll get up middle of the night and you'll go back to the middle of the pillow. So there are certain ways to be knowing, but we saw also you should never put it in the middle of your bed. You should never put it in the middle of your bed to, um, that, that you don't roll over it. Okay. Where is the, where's the mitzvah of Chala found? So it's in Parsha Shlach. Shlach only has three mitzvahs. The most famous one is Tzitzis, Parsha of Tzitzis. And then we also have not to look, Lo Levavchem, right? So, let's get to Shlach. So, Shlach, it says as follows. By the Bereshel Moshe Lemor, this is in Perak Tesvav. When you come into the land, when you enter the land, Asher Ani Mevi Eschem Shama, this is in Pasuk Yudches, Parakov, Come when you start to eat from the land, from the lechem, from the grains of the earth. Tarimu truma l'Hashem. You should take a truma for Hashem. Reishis arisosechem. The very beginnings, the first of your dough. Chala. Separate chala. Tarimu truma. Separate chala. Ketrumas goren kain tarimusel. Like the truma that you take from the grain. You should okay. You should separate it. From the beginning, it repeats it from the beginning of your dose. You should take a truma. There are certain things that are glaringly obvious. One, when does the mitzvah start? It's only when you enter the land, presumably when the majority of of Yidin are living there. Which means today is So even in Israel today, Chala is only, Chala separating Chala from when presumably women, but men also, when they're baking, and they're baking, let's say, a challah, they, they, or a cake, whatever, they separate challah. Now, the other thing that's glaringly obvious, uh, I knew you can harp on that, but no. <laughs> if you do that today, you have other issues. Now, forget about the bracha. So, when, yeah, I'm not sure I'd eat the challah, that's true. So anyway, Ron, I'm, I'm watching it. When I, I don't want to say Pam on the thing, but if I come to your house, I'm not eating the challah. Anyway, so now, so the other thing that's not mentioned, the other thing that's not mentioned is how much do you have to give? It doesn't give a, it doesn't give a, uh, a, a, a share. So let's see. So 
The other thing is it doesn't actually tell us what to do with the truma. It just says, give it to Hashem. It says, right? Listen to what it says. It says, Reishis arisochem chala tarimu truma ketrumas game goren kein tarimu osa me reishis arisochem from the beginning of your dose titnu l'ashem truma l'doros give it to Hashem. What does that mean? What does it mean give it to Hashem? So what are we supposed to do? So a few, so the fact that it compares it to truma of wheat ketrumas goren just like you take truma from the wheat and the grains you have to give to, you have to take truma we learn a lot of halakhas from that. So let's go through some of them. Now, so we said now, it's not, it's not Minah Torah today, it's Midrash Banan, even, certainly Chutzar, it's Midrash Banan, even in Eretz Yisrael, it's Banan. The Torah doesn't tell us what to do with the separated challah, so, so what are you supposed to do with it? So, here's the interesting thing. What is the reason, let's start with the reason, the Sefer Achin, if you ever want to see the reason, it says, it says, so, so why, why is it, why is it even Chutzar, why is it even Chutzar, because we don't want to forget how it, Shalom, um, Shalom Tishkach, Torah Yisrael, it says. The question is, what is the reason for the... Hashem, no? What, what? So there's no issue of making Rahu Hashem Hashem just because of... We'll get to that. We'll get to that in a second. We make Rahu Hashem Hashem all the time, though. No, understood, but... We make Rahu Hashem Hashem. We still have the Rabbanon. So now, <clears throat> so the question is, what's the reason? So the, if you look at the Lashon of the Sefer Chinuch, it's absolutely amazing. He says, since a person's whole life is dependent on food, presumably on grains. Again, we live now it's a little different. We lived in an agrarian society back then, so everyone, everything was based on Chag Asif, Chag HaKatsir. All of the Jewish holidays are based on the agricultural cycle. So he says, it is the very basis of how we live, and Hashem therefore gave us a chance every time we eat, basically, to go ahead and, and to, uh, to, to bless Him and give Him a karstov. And listen to His Lashon, V'nimse Sa'isa, this is a beautiful lesson. He says, it turns out that the dough is muzzle guf and muzzle nefesh. What a beautiful phrase. That it's sustenance for the guf and for the nefesh. Because every time we go ahead and we do something mundane and eat, it gives us the opportunity to go ahead and make a bracha and to, be, to, be, to give a karstov to karsh But then he says another reason. That's the first part of the mitzvah. The first part of the mitzvah is to separate. What's the second part of the mitzvah? To give it to a kohen. We give it to a kohen, theoretically. Not today. We'll see that in a second. He gives one step further. What's the reason? Jason, you're going to like this. What's the reason why he gives it to a Kohen? Because the Kohen is always involved in Avodah Hashem. When we give them the truma, they have to work. It's raw grain. But here, it's already, dough's already processed. So they don't even have to stop their work, says the, the Sefer Achinuch. They can go in and continue their day. It's processed dough. We're going to see, by the way, when the actual, right now we'll discuss, when does the actual obligation to separate challah come in? It's a machlokas we showed, we'll get to that in a second. But either way, it's either when it's, you mix the dough and the, 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 um, the flour and the water, or when you start to knead it. But either way, it's already processed. It's already flour. It's not raw grain. It's flour and water. It's already dough. So the Kohen gets so much stuff. He gets, you give him a whole bushel of wheat. He's like, yay. Right? He's got to stop doing his guy. He's got to process it. He's got to, he's got to, he's got to separate the chaff. And here he just gets it. It's like, wow, I got to just throw it in the oven. So that's what the Sefer HaChinuch says. The, 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 um, the, the sensitivity that we have, says the, uh, Hashem made, it's just unbelievable. Now, Machlokas is, according to the Rambam, the Sefer Chinuch, once the water and the flour come together, that's when you're obligated to separate um, challah. If you don't separate challah once you're obligated, it has, it's tevel, you're not allowed to eat a minatora, just like you can't take, you can't eat from grain before you mafresh truma maiser. So here you can't take from the challah, from the dough, until you separate challah. According to other, the, the Rambam and the Rashpats, once it's kneaded, already begun the process, but either way, it's before it's baked. Before you put it in the oven. 
Now, the obligation is only for the five types of grain. What are the five main types of grain? Wheat, rye, barley, spelt, and oats. If you make challah out of rice or millet, you do not have to be mafresh challah. It's only based on the five grains. Okay, wheat, rye, barley, spelt, and oats. Now, Minah Torah, there is absolutely no minimum share that you need to take. You could take a kernel, according to the Torah. Torah doesn't tell us what it is. You take a little kernel from the dough, Minah Torah, you remove the Shem Tevel. It is now completely, you're able to eat it. Turns out that Chazal, if you look at the Mishnah Chala, Perak Beis, Mishnah Zion, it says 124th of the amount of dough is what we have to take if you're a homemaker, a household. If you're a baker, one out of 48, meaning 148th. So if you have, let's just say, giving stu- 48 ounces, you have to take one ounce. If you're uh, in the house, if you're making 48 ounces, you'd have to give two, one out of 24. And the reason is the Chachamim were very sensitive to the Nachtom, to the baker who sells commercially, that he's doing this to make a profit. And if you would, like the taxes, if you would inc- increase the, uh, you know, the rate, uh, that Nachtom has to give, it'll cut into his, uh, it will cut into his, obviously the Chachamim seem to be somewhat capitalism, uh, capitalists here. If you would cut into his profit by making, give a much bigger portion, it would completely destroy his, uh, his, uh, his profits. Now, the Chinuch describes it outside of, of Eretz Yisrael, you can, it's only Midrabanan we said, you can actually um, fulfill your obligation however small you want to take, nonetheless the, the halacha, the, the Minuch today is to take a kazais. How much obligates us? So there's two opinions, either somewhere between 2 pounds and 14 ounces, if you convert it, it's really the volume of 43 eggs, machlokas if it's small eggs, big eggs, medium eggs, whatever, chicken eggs, but the bottom line is usually about up to 4, four pounds and 15 ounces, which is about 5 pounds of not dough, but of the wheat flour, about 5 pounds of that, everyone agrees you have to take. Less than that, the smaller amount, about two, almost less than three pounds, we say do it without making a bracha. So if you can make five pounds of dough today, with the typical people make challah in flour, for Shabbos, typically don't have five pounds of, of, of flour, right? So five pounds of flour, not five pounds of dough mixed with water. But five pounds of flour, typically we don't have that, but that is the mechayev to take. That obligates us to go ahead and take challah, how much you can take. We take a kazais, but really... Minah Torah, all you have to take is a tiny bit because the Torah does not give us the amount. The Rabbanon said 124th or 148th, depending where you are. Um, and uh, what do you do with it? What do you do with the chal? Burn it. Because why? Because it's supposed to go to the Quran, so you get it and therefore it'd be a problem. Well, the Kohanim are today. So everyone, sorry, I hate to break it to you. We're all, we're all Tomeim, not just you. No, but, but, saying, but since you can't give it to them, right, right, right. if someone else would eat it... You're 100% right. Problem. Meaning the reason you can't eat it is because we're all Tomeim today. Right. And so we're not allowed to eat a challah that's Tomeim or a Kohen can eat challah that's Tomeim. Since we don't have the paraduma today, we uh, burn it. But but you're right. In other words, it's, it's us or to, we don't want anyone to go ahead and eat it because it is hektish theoretically or, or manas kuna. So therefore we go ahead and burn it. So you, when you take it, you should really go ahead and burn it. One last point, which is very interesting, and that is, it says here, so there are actually two separate parts. The first part is actually just taking it, and that removes the shame tevel. If you, once you remove it, you actually, you can now eat from the rest of it. Again, preferably before it's baked. The question is, what about the second part? There's a second aspect that giving it to the Kohen. So if you don't give it to the Kohen, not today so much, but if you don't give it to the Kohen, you're actually chayv on Geneva. It's actually thievery. And so the question is, how much does that play into the mitzvah? The answer is it doesn't. It's a separate thing. Once you go ahead and separate the challah, even if you don't give it to the Kohen, the rest of the dough you can eat. It's a separate issue between you and Alan or with Ayal. But you can go ahead and theoretically eat the rest. The question is, 
the Node de Behuda says something amazing. It says, and this is the last point, it says, the Node de Behuda says in Yerodea, Simon uh, Reish Aleph, he says, it says in here, Titnu Lashem. You should give it to Hashem. You don't give anything. When you give it, Derech Nisina, when you give over something, I wouldn't say to Marty, Marty's a great neighbor. I wouldn't say, Marty, I have an amazing thing for you. Just to show you my car, here's a paper clip. You wouldn't give something that's insignificant and call it an act. Say again? What a guy. Right? Than I agree. That's true. So, so you wouldn't give, I'm, here, I'm, you know, I'm calling his wife over. I have to give you something. I'm giving a paper clip or I'm giving something that's worth five cents. If you're giving something, we don't know what the exact share is, says in Huda, but it has to be something that's worthy of giving over. Titnu Lashem. So never give that little tiny morsel says the no to Behuda, because that's not what the Torah is referring to. It's titnu Lashem, you have to give it something derech nesina. Derech nesina, it says the no to Behuda, has to be something a little more substantial, a little more respectful. So that is Chal. I'm sorry for those who were hoping we discussed about the, uh, the other part that we discussed today, but uh, feel free to go to medical school. Okay, tomorrow, tomorrow we'll do much Lamdas. Have a wonderful day.